0: To another episode of Drivers, First Call's in depth look into the most important trends in the golf industry and the individuals on the forefront of setting them. I'm David Klein, along with John Last. We're from Sports and Leisure Research Group, and we're very excited to welcome a friend of the podcast to today's episode. Before we bring him on, let's talk a little bit about the topic that's been in the headlines recently golf equipment. You know, John, one of the more fascinating truths in the golf industry is that every piece of approved equipment goes through rigorous testing and research to assure that it conforms with the rules and standards established and maintained by the USGA. Today, we're joined by someone who's at the forefront of this. John, tell us a little bit about who's joining us on the first tee for this episode.
1: Thanks, David. You know, when, when you and I think of the term research, we're typically thinking about marketing research, which is a science in its own right. But our guest today is also a researcher, but one who applies the principles of science and physics to study and assess the performance of today's golf equipment. And I'm really pleased to welcome our friend Steve Quintavala from the USGA's Equipment Standards Group. Steve, it's great to have you on Drivers, and why don't you begin by telling our listeners a little bit about what you and your team do at the USGA, uh, as well as the training and background that brings you into this role.
2: Well, hi, John. Hi, David. Great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'd love to talk about our team. We have about 17 people here on the equipment standards team uh, at the USGA. Many of us uh, come from engineering backgrounds with expertise in things like uh, aerospace and and polymers, p- plasma physics, uh, even. We've got a master's degree, we've got three PhDs, we've got people with uh, bachelor's degrees, obviously. Uh, and in total, when you look at this team, and really, just talking about the internal team—not even getting to the consultants uh, who are ind- industry experts that we rely on—but we've got about 294 years of collective experience in researching, evaluating, and testing golf equipment. So I, I like to think that we got a lot of depth there.
1: It's certainly, certainly a, a, a great group, and I know we've had the fortune of, of being out to to your your offices to see what you do. There's a common perception that is, you know, perhaps very limiting that what equipment conformance testing involves is, you know, visions of Iron Byron or a swinging robot out there. I know there's a lot more involved in that. Maybe you could take us through a a hypothetical or typical process that new products go through when they are submitted for USGA approval.
2: Yeah, love to. First, just a note, uh, we get about 450 to 500 different types of golf ball for evaluation every year. And yeah, you know what? We still use Iron Byron or or its successor to hit them. But on top of that, we've got about 2,500 other pieces of golf equipment. Think of things like golf clubs, shafts, grips. There's quite a lot. As one of only, as I'm aware of, uh, three ISO 9001 accredited organizations that do this kind of work in the world. We rely on a lot of uh, scientific tests. and, And just to think about golf balls, we might test them. Well, we will test them for aerodynamic properties, impact properties, dimensional specifications, uh, even what they're made out of. On the golf club side, we look at face flexibility, volume, height, and, and other dimensions. Uh, we look at shaft bending and torsion symmetry, surface roughness, groove geometry. Uh, the, the list goes on. Uh, it's, it's a lot of tests, and we have to maintain uh, a short turnaround time to make sure that we're not you know, disruptive to the industry that we're giving submitters of golf equipment uh, the decisions, the appropriate decisions that they need with accuracy and with timeliness.
1: Is is there? I, I know there's no typical time frame, but but is there a range of time that, that the process kind of goes from submission to, to 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 a decision?
2: Great question. A golf ball is on a monthly cadence. When somebody submits a golf ball, that they they will know what list it's going on and how many days it'll take for us to go from the beginning to the end of that process. For a golf club, we average less than 20 days, for and that's calendar days for, for the decision to be communicated. For some types of equipment, it's a little bit less than that. For, for some of your more innovative uh, ideas, more unusual pieces of equipment, sometimes it can take a little bit longer.
1: Interesting, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that interesting and innovative uh, thing in just a moment. I know that you know, you've you spent significant time in recent years looking at the impact of, of technology on, on player performance. And that's something that our research has shown so many times to be kind of a key perceptual driver of why so many people are, are upgrading their equipment within tighter replacement cycles. Um, we were fortunate enough to work together with you a couple of years ago on a really fascinating project, if I recall, that applied decision science and game theory. To, to better understanding how today's equipment impacts horse management and competitive golf, it was it was a great project. Maybe you can talk a little bit about how these types of analyses also get done within the testing center and, and how they help inform USGA decisions and governance.
2: Well, it's a terrific question, uh, and we we definitely appreciated that partnership with you and learned a lot from it. let Let's note that I as an engineer that we as a team, We need to support decision-making within the USGA and and in partnership with the RNA. Uh, And to do that, we need to get past the opinions of what equipment does or how different players interact. Uh, We need to get to the facts. So for that reason, our research includes lab tests. Certainly they do. We want to understand the fundamentals, the basics, but they also mean going out into the field and doing measurements and uh, learning impressions, frankly, We can't give the USGA's leadership and executive committee the full picture unless we've gotten all the facts. If you don't mind, I'll take you a little bit off of the question of equipment. If you haven't seen or or heard about the United States Adaptive Open Championship, I urge you to look into it. It is a, a terrific championship that we had the pleasure of inaugurating last year, where golfers with different disabilities can all compete for a United States championship in golf. And to support that, you know, there's a question. How do you set the T's to make the competition fair and competitive? So, the Equipment Standards Department, and in partnership with other parts of the USGA, we take our expertise, our measurement science, our lasers, and our radars, and we've gone out to championships, both ours and others that feature these golfers, and we do detailed measurements and analysis so that we can support the best decision-making to make for, in this case, the best competition.
0: You know, Steve, our research continues to show golfer excitement around the perception that equipment continues to get more advanced and innovative every year. I don't want you to divulge anything proprietary, but give us a little peek behind the curtain as to what's on the horizon that gets you and your colleagues excited about the future of golf. David, thank you. First, let me
2: say we're a bunch of sports equipment geeks here. We love getting new submissions and, and seeing what's around the corner, you know, from prototypes through uh, what's going to hit the market. There's a lot of innovation that comes through and some of it's things that we had never contemplated, some of it's things that are, are run of the mill, but we love the innovation and creativity that comes behind this. And Honestly, I'd love to get to buy myself another, you know, the next newest driver. But but one thing that we have to stay grounded in is that we have to make sure that there's no unintended consequences uh, and not just tomorrow. But, you know, it's our role here in the game to make sure that the things that we say yes to don't have those unintended consequences 10, 20, 50 years down the line. And we take that responsibility very seriously.
1: Excellent. Um not sure if, if again this is, is going out of bounds, but before we wrap up, one thing I, I absolutely was curious about. I, I've gone to more PJ merchandise shows than I you know can count on several several sets of hands. Yeah. Every year I go, I always kind of make note of something that seems really out there or unconventional, without without obviously being in in a way that could could offend anybody. Anything come to mind over your history that was just really off the charts, unconventional?
2: No doubt, John. Uh, and I, you know, I've been to a lot of those same shows and, you know, maybe we've seen things that, that never made it to that show. Golfers are so passionate about this game and, and a lot of them are really inventive. And and again, we love that creativity. We love that innovative thinking, but one, you know, one thing happily that we've found is that golfers continue to, find it important to play by the rules. And that's true of people who are inventing golf equipment as well. So we love to give that opportunity to innovate within the rules. And we are very transparent. If you go to our website, you'll see not just the equipment rules of golf, but guidelines on how we interpret them. So uh, if somebody comes up with something off the wall or not, they they can see for themselves you know, how the rules might apply. And then when they do submit it, even if the first brush at it doesn't work, we want to give the opportunity to innovate within those rules. And so we will work hard to give folks the opportunity to innovate and stay within those guidelines.
1: Fascinating world. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, again, we're, we're just at the end of our time limit here, but could certainly talk further about some of the the technical specifications that I know we've all kind of rolled our sleeves up on in the day to day. but. Hopefully this gives some folks, uh, the folks listening, a a really nice look inside at the breadth of of not only talent that you have within your department, but the way in which the department really services the game, not only now, but in the future. It's it's been great having you on the show. And uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to stop by.
2: John, David, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.